Welcome everyone to episode 10 of the MXU Video Podcast. This is Rusty here with Jeremy and Zach. What's up, guys? What's up? What's up? I just said that, so I need you to answer. Oh, <laughs> what's up? What's up is that we are uh, we're here. We just finished up the MXU tour, which was really fun. Uh, Rusty and I were there, and Zach, you were there in spirit, I know. Yeah, I was loving. I was watching everything and getting updates, man. It, it looked absolutely amazing. Even just from my perspective from social media and text messages, it looked absolutely yeah. amazing. In the, in the last Yeah, it was a really great couple of weeks. I mean, I don't know there's there's nothing like it in the in the world that I know of. And there's other conferences yeah. sure, but there's nothing where you get that full day of audio video lighting behind the scenes. Um and each one's different, which is really cool, so Yep. Yeah, Dallas looked packed. Were they all oh, as packed as Dallas? It was legit. Uh, everything was different. Dallas was a bigger auditorium. Okay. Uh, Chicago was smaller. Gotcha. So, yes, Dallas was packed, but it was just much smaller auditorium. Yeah, I saw a picture of Dallas, and I was like, holy cow. Like, there are a bunch of people there, and that's freaking awesome. Yeah, so, that was cool. That, that was the first event I've ever done six simultaneous streams at one time. So that was pretty wild. It was not cool. Ross Ultra Scenes saved the day. Ultra Scenes, Ultra. That's, that's your free plug there, Jeremy. That's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was awesome. It was great. <laughs> uh, so and and low key like shout out. Uh, I don't know shout out, but uh, my wife attended the Friday Dallas event. Um, we were lucky enough where she was able to fly in, and we were able to have like a little weekend thing uh, together in Dallas, and she. I've been doing this church production thing for 20 years, and she was like, looks at me at the end of the Friday night Dallas event. She's like, I I just thought you pressed buttons for a living. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> That's a, funny. That's really good. And she's like, the way this whole thing comes together and the philosophical approach and like the team coming around, she's like, this is amazing. And I'm like, well, you know. Part of me wanted to say on the inside, well, I've been telling you for 20 years like to pay attention to what we're doing, but I didn't. I was like, yeah, you know, it's kind of cool. We like what we do. But anyway. Yeah. It is. That's why I it's hard to get it until you so see it. so unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it really is. Well, I got to say now, I mean, I had some great camera ops, but none other, none better than the Atlanta Camera One. Kirsten Anderson, my wife, ran camera for me for the first time. And uh, we used to do production a lot together. So it... Brought back some memories of a few fights we've had on com, uh, but it was super it was super awesome to have her there. She had a great time. She was a feisty camera one up. I'm telling you. She is feisty. <laughs> she's short. Little package, but she's feisty. Yeah, it was it was great. It was fantastic. Um so Zach, you've uh you've been doing some stuff in your in 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 the time that we've been doing this tour thing. You've had some things happen. You wanna yeah, I have. share with us about what's what's going on in your life? Yeah, let the people know that uh, I have uh, picked up my things and made a transition over to uh, Skylark. So I am now on the Skylark team, uh, a design engineer there. Uh, super excited about it. Incredible opportunity that was placed in front of me. And uh, it was one of those things where uh, Kim and I, we didn't have to discuss too much. Um, it just, it fit. And, uh, you know, grateful for everything that I was able to do at SES, but I'm super excited for what's ahead for uh myself and my family at uh at skylark where uh it works out where uh with what i'm gonna do in my role is and we're staying in charlotte for now so we're not packing up and moving to atlanta or okc but uh you know we don't know what the future holds with that yet uh kim keeps looking up atlanta things 
Um, I mean, two so, thirds of this podcast is in Atlanta. I know, I know we could just start <laughs> was, doing our podcast say, in person then. As you should, as you should. We, I mean, yeah. we we believe a lot in the ATL. So yeah. So there, there's no no plans aside. yet to move, but if we do move, I would expect it would be to Atlanta. Awesome. I, well, we're excited for you for sure. Yeah. I'm just expecting an Instagram announcement that says Zach Kimry has moved his talents to the ATL. <laughs> One day, I'm ready for that. Can yeah, we not we say the ATL, please? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My bad. I guess it's better, it's better than Hotlanta. It's that better is, than that true. is true. That's true. That's true. Um, all right. So, Zach, super excited about your new gig. Um, you, started, yeah. you started this week, right? Yeah. Uh, technically uh, started today, but today is Monty Kim's 13th wedding anniversary. So Marcus classified hey. it as enjoy my first day off. That's awesome. So my first day of employment, I actually took off. So let, sure. let it be known that that's how awesome the guys over at Skylark are. And, uh, you know, Marcus has become near and dear to Kim, Kim and myself. That's cool. Uh, so it's just, it's, yeah. I wonder how big or, or how many um, employment inquiries Marcus is going to get since you made that announcement. But, you know, let's see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. He's a big we'll boy. See. Yeah, that's right. It. That's right. Um, all right. So uh, we're trying to keep this intro short. Uh, and Let's get to it. Yeah. So, Rusty. It's a real fun a conversation that we had. Why don't you, why don't you I, tell I, us? I, let me just say, I learned a lot. We're yeah, gonna you gotta, talk you need our, a notebook. Go ahead. If you're a note taker, get your notebook out. And also be ready to listen to this one several times. And if you don't, it's about an hour long. So, you know, if you only have like a 20 minute commute left, you're going to you're just rewind it and listen to, listen to it again. Cause I don't know how you're going to stop in the middle of this and under, and keep up with everything. I learned a ton about 2110, uh, arguably the future of video transport, uh, all things video. So our friend Jeremy Lamori jumps back in. Um, I, he is the best teacher that I've ever met. He can explain so hard concepts. So well, good. Just incredibly well. So what else is there to say? Yeah. Let's listen to it. It's great, man. Let's dive in. Let's go. All right. Welcome, Jeremy. Jeremy, you're our first repeat guest. Oh, that is... It, how that how is does an, it feel? It is an honor. Let me tell you. <laughs> that mean, is an honor. We're, we're... I don't know how many episodes in, but it's got to be pretty special. Here it is. Yeah. I don't know I, what episode you were on, but if you if you haven't listened to the other ones, Jeremy Lamori is here with us today and um i don't know i could say give us a quick you know intro of who you are or could just say go back and listen to the other one so yeah i don't know whatever you think jeremy yeah either way i do i i do engineering things and i'm not talking about intercom again that's there you uh, go although we had a lot of people like love that episode that's great hey we could do a follow-up if there's some questions you know we could do more that's true as an aside i was at an event um, a couple of weeks ago with a matrix intercom that was being used as a party line intercom. And it, I, you know, I just had our, I had like that episode playing in the back of my head the whole time. I'm like, I just want to fix it. Can I just give me, you could have give, I know just uh, give me could've. the engineering computer. And I just want to fix it anyway. That's right. Um, yeah. So I'm um, so I'm sorry you had to endure that. That's a, that's a rough way to go through a show. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, we made exactly. it through. Good, um, good. Yeah. Well, glad to have you back, Jeremy. Happy to be here. Um, today we want to talk about another topic that I feel like probably uh, is over a lot of people's heads, including mine. Yeah, but it's mine. one of those things that's out there and people hear about. Yeah, Zach too. Um, 
and I don't know, maybe a way to describe it would be video over IP. Sure. That's what we kind of want to talk about. Yeah. And specifically NDI and SMPTE 2110. Yeah. And that is about the extent of what I can do and offer here. So, so give us the give us the one hundred and one. Before before we do that, let's just set the, make sure everybody understands. So Jeremy works at a facility that does IP video for like a large major broadcast uh, corporation. So yeah. Jeremy, I don't know what I can and cannot say about who you work for. So I'm gonna let you fill in the gaps about what sure. you do. Yeah. No, I work for I, I work for Fox. I can say it. That's fine. Okay. Um, so I work at Fox's master control facility. So any Fox content for any one of their different channels properties uh, that will um, provide you know live video or even video to their apps and those types of things. All that content goes through our building first, uh, and it's a new building. So it was we've been on air oh, about fifteen months. Um, and so with that, 2110 is kind of the common or the, the newest technology now for new large scale builds like that. So our facility is a 2110 based facility. I love to say that it's an all 2110 facility, uh, but that's a lie. It's not. Um, there's a lot of, there's not a lot, but there's definitely sections that are still pretty SDI heavy. Uh, but all of our core infrastructure is based in, in 2110 and, and IP uh, based routing. So yeah, we get to do a lot of uh, a lot of fun things with that. So as we just back up and get more even bigger picture for those who are like just figuring out what the heck broadcast video yeah, is. Yeah, some of us are already lost. People don't even know what twenty one ten means. Yeah. Like what why are you saying sure. numbers right now? Right. Sure. So SIMPTI, the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers. Well, nice. Yeah. Good job, Dan. You, uh, Good job. you may have heard of them. You may not have heard of them, but they define most all video-related standards for the entire industry. Um, and they are a, they're a nonprofit organization. They are comprised of members from many different parts of the broadcast industry, uh, whether that's engineers, manufacturers, um, like scientists that are inventing ways to do these things that usually work for manufacturers and they all get together. They have meetings, um, you know, quarterly or, or semi-annually. And I bet they're pretty wild. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, a group of engineers, <laughs> man. It's a, it's a party. If you've ever been to NAB, it's all the ones that are standing in the corner, not talking to people. Those are the ones that are actually members of uh, SMPTE. So they get together and they talk about the uh, future protocols, standards, ways that we can interop as a lot of different vendors that supply this industry. And we need them to have equipment that works together. And SMPTE standards apply on uh, you know on the motion picture side, on the film side, as well as the TV side. Uh, but things like SDI, which we could probably say that most people understand now most any system you're going to have in the last you know 10 15 years is going to be an SDI digital based system uh, SDI is is a SMPTE standard so that it has a number as well um, we don't need to get into all the details there but that's that's I, easy, did, not, I did not know that yeah that's a Google search right? that's right and it's Wikipedia um, all day long yeah and and there's lots and lots and lots of standards um, that SMPTE produces regarding really big things like SDI 
down to really small things. Like there's a particular standard for how, you know, closed caption data flows inside of an SDI signal, as an example. Um, and all these really, really particular things that everyone has to agree on because it has to work through a lot of different pieces of equipment. And 2110... So what, what do they think about Blackmagic's SDI protocol? <laughs> well, technically Blackmagic is compliant. All of their extra oh, okay. data is in what are called user bits in the ancillary data, which is defined by SMPTE. So there's a section of the ancillary data that basically a manufacturer can do whatever they want, and they don't they don't restrict it in any way. That's why you can this, take a this black This is magic. why Jeremy is a repeat guest. Yeah. I just, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. So this is why you can take the Blackmagic camera return which is where all their custom data is, you can route that through a ROS router or an Imagine router or an Everts router, and it still works because they're complying with the standard. Now, when you get in the weeds of these things, you know, some people are more compliant than others in terms of the finer details. And, the, you know, the standards are written with language like must and should, which are subject <laughs> to interpretation. And that creates all sorts of fun for clients and manufacturers to argue with each other about how something should or should not work. But generally, they people pretty much have to follow the standards that SMPTE puts out. So a while back, uh, this is now many years ago, SMPTE developed a standard called 2110, which is actually a, a family of standards. Um, so it's ST2110 is the SMPTE standard for uncompressed IP over video. And it's actually the second major effort. The first was 2022-6, which you may have heard of which is described as SDI over IP because it's really just an SDI signal that's moved from an in, in IP packets through a network. Mm. 2110 actually breaks that down. And so there's a suite of standards um, and we'll touch on them very briefly, but we won't get into the weeds of what all the different substandards are. But um, the really important ones with 2110 is there's 2110-10, which is timing specific, um, which is PTP, which we will talk about more because that's a really critical part of the system. And there's 2110-20, which specifies all the video content and how video moves through a network. 2110-30, uh, which is all the audio specifications. 21 And 2110-40, that specifies all the ancillary data or the extra data. So when you take an SCI signal and convert it to 2110, it gets broken into these individual parts before it starts moving across the network. And all of those things, there's reasons behind it, and there's more substandards in each of them. There's 20-22-23, which are more kind of fine details that we don't need to talk about. But the fact that they're broken into pieces is an important distinction of how 2110 works and offers a lot of benefits in some applications compared to other uh, IP-based standards. But at the whole, 2110 is uncompressed video over IP. I, um, yeah, I can see that we're going to talk for a long time. So, <laughs> okay. So, uh, Jeremy, uh, break it down to us. I have an SDI router. I have a video switcher, like a black magic or a Ross or whatever. Yeah. And it is pushing I, the way I think about it is pushing out a video signal. It goes from input. It goes to out, an output to my projector. Tell me in a 2110 world, what is different about a 2110 world in the way signal pushes versus what I know and, and currently work in yeah. uh, in the SDI world? So let's imagine a scenario where you have a video switcher 
and you have your core routing system that's 2110 base, and we'll talk about what that means in a second. And then we have a projector, let's say. And let's say in this world, that projector and the video switcher both are 2110 native devices. So they connect to the 2110 network on their own. They don't need another piece of equipment in between, um, which would be called a gateway. So if the switcher was only SDI, it would have to hit what's called a 2110 gateway to convert that SDI to IP. But let's pretend that doesn't exist today, right? Let's, yeah. Let's so so what's, it, what's it mean, though, Jeremy, that it is compliant? Like, what does it have on it that says, okay, yeah. you can talk 2110? So now, so in the beginning of 2110, this may have been a little different. But nowadays, if you buy a device that's a 2110 compliant device, it'll have an SFP, which is a fiber-based Ethernet connection generally and it will either be a 25 gig connection where that one uh, pair of fibers transmits 25 gigabits of, of bandwidth a second or it'll likely be a 100 gig connection and then it's a what's called a QSFP which is just a bigger it looks like an SFP but it's larger still two strands of fiber to go back to your network switch so the biggest difference if we're talking video switcher video router projector in the past it is now video switcher, network switch, projector. So the routing that takes place is in a network switch. Just any, not any old network switch, but it is just a network switch with some very particular uh, features. So that network switch will have the ability to have a 25 gigabit connection from the devices. And when the uh, signal is sent from the video switcher, it is IP packets, the same IP packets that your computer sends to get a web page from the internet. Um, it's it's encapsulated in the same way. That's what IP is. But the speed of the packets, the type of packets, the type of data in the packets are unique for video. That's what SMPTE defines, is how that process works. So you would establish a connection from the video switcher to the switch, to the network switch, with that stream of video. I'm cautious to say the word stream. That has a different connotation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, with that flow is a common term in 2110. So with that flow of video from the switcher to the network switch, and then the network switch would receive a request from either a control system or the projector directly saying, hey, I need that that video flow. Can you give it to me? And the switch then will put that data on the port that goes to the projector. And then the projector receives the signal and does its job of replicating the image in front of a big light bulb or laser nowadays. Um, so let, let me back up. You you said fiber. Yes. When you say IP, I automatically think of Cat5 or Cat6. Yes. Is signal transferred over, over that also? or It's not because it's not fast enough. So this okay. is, it doesn't have high enough bandwidth. Now, when we start talking NDI, it's a little bit of a different circumstance. But when you're talking uncompressed video, if you're doing 1080p, uncompressed 1080p signals are just under three gigabits of bandwidth required per second. Right. So you need to have the transfer speed, whereas a, a copper connection, a, a, a Cat5 or a Cat6 connection, is generally going to tap out at, at one gig. There are some 10 gig options at, at Cat6, but generally it's going to be one gig, and that's just not it's not enough bandwidth to carry these types of signals. Um, so that's why the the industry's kind of moved to either 25 gig 
connections or, or bandwidth between device and switch or 100 gig connections between device and switch. So your fiber care, you know, is going to carry 100 times the capacity of what your Cat6 would carry from a particular device. But when you get up into like 4K and UHD, that video traffic is now, you know, 11, 12 gigs of bandwidth for one video signal. 100 gigs goes away real quick. If you think of the amount of outputs a video switcher has, All you right. actually end up having a lot of connection, individual 100 gig connections to a, a switch to facilitate that amount of traffic in and out that we were doing on on BNC before with SDI. All right. So my question is, we have this like fully baked SDI copper systems. Like yeah. why and why... It even implies the NDI, to be honest, but like yeah. why IP video? Like yeah. why have we like your facility at Fox and new other newsrooms and things that's like 2110? Help us understand why are we trying to move to that world rather than sticking with where we're at? Sure. Yeah, for most people, don't. Um, that's the short <laughs> answer. Appreciate um, your honesty. Yeah. Um, no, there's, there's, some, there's some cool benefits. Um, so... SDI in particular is um, it's a great format that's lasted a long time. It's going to be around for a long time to come. It's it's not going anywhere. It's super reliable. It's been it's been played out in productions well, you know all over the world for a long time. Uh, IP offers some flexibility benefits and some uh, redundancy benefits that SDI doesn't offer. So when you get to scale at twenty one ten, like in Fox. Uh, we have two 2110 routers that are totally discrete from one another. Wait, wait, so, wait. Pause. pause. Yep. You just said router, but you said there really wasn't a router. Yeah, it's a network switch. So okay, there's okay. A, so you can do, in, in 2110, you can do two different things. You can buy what are called consumer off-the-shelf or COTS switches, which okay. are generally made by three companies, either Cisco, Arista, or Mellanox. There's a couple other smaller ones, too, that play in the game, but those are the big ones. These are like for video switches, yes. network switches that can route video. Yeah, they're actually in their data center class of switches. So okay. if you think the giant data centers that like Facebook and Google and all these big yeah, tech yeah. companies maintain, these companies have built switches with super high bandwidth and throughput to support that kind of traffic. Got it, got it. And that is what the video industry has kind of latched onto. And now 2110 is becoming big enough that companies like Arista and Cisco have dedicated teams just for media, uh, for just for broadcasted media on their switches. So you, you call 2110 router, it is a network switch. Yeah. So the, the other side of that is there are some companies that are going to be using um, custom hardware that they have built specifically to, to do 2110 routing. And it is a switch, but they don't call themselves a switch because they're custom. So Everts is a good example of that. Everts uh, has built custom hardware specifically to move 2110 packets through their infrastructure, which is a network-based protocol, but it's not actually a, a fully compliant network switch. I couldn't plug my computer into it and make it work in any way. It's only built for 2110 video. And there's pros and cons to each side. But that's why at Fox, we have an Everts platform. And that's why I said router. Because that's, that's really what it is, even though it is just IP network okay. data. So anyway, we have it's an often a common design pattern to have 
two discrete systems. Uh, it's called a red, generally they're called red and blue, where your devices, and, and Simpty's actually made a standard for this um, called 2022-7, which is you can send the end device, like the video switcher, will send the same packets of data out two ports at the same time, one for the red network and one for the blue network. And they will travel through their completely separate networks to get to the end device, which can receive packets from the red network and the blue network at the same time. And the 22-7 protocol allows them to switch between those two data streams um, as many times as they need in a second to make a complete set of data to output. And this prevents any artifacting or lost packets or any issues in the video stream. So you're really creating two paths now for every signal in your system, which increases your level of redundancy because it's not it's not just two like core paths. It's actually two different wires out of the device. So imagine mm -hmm. in SDI, if you have a video switcher that's got, you know, 64 BNCs on the back of it, now double that for, for yeah, redundancy. Yeah. Yeah. 2110 offers you that as, a, as one of the many benefits to move away from, from SDI. Got it. It's wild. Okay, so Rusty, Zach, you guys ask some questions because yeah, I got, feel like I know 2110 a little bit better than you guys. I've got one just because I, from talking to Lamori, I know how it works and I think you should break this down because you, you kept saying it moves over fiber. So if the receiving device has an SFP and it's fiber, but it's not a FIDO style concept. So what is actually happening there? Because we're not moving video over fiber, you know, but right, when right. you say that, the way it gets worded sometimes for someone that doesn't know 2110 might think, oh, they're just moving it over fiber, fiber and converting it back. But that's not at all what it is. It's not. Yeah. So the there are video over fiber. There's SDI over fiber standards. That is a, a, a standard that exists out there and, and has been used for a long time. It's very different than that because it's it is IP packets, which means uh, it is a, many different discrete uh, flows of information on the same physical interface. So devices like video switchers that are really high uh, throughput, they have a lot of ins and outs they are using that single fiber duplex strand of fiber to the to the switch to host many different many 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 different signals both in and out and all of the video is discrete on its own individual flows all of the audio is discrete on its own individual flows uh, which is very different than just taking a video stream and putting it on on a fiber cable to go from one one place to another so you're saying that like if we had a native 2110 camera chain with one SMPTE or not SMPTE, but with one SFP fiber yep. port on it, we could send multiple return videos to the camera. We could get our main output. We could get our picks output. All yep. making all that happen, what would have been multiple SDI cables is yep. all now happening over a single strand of fiber. Yeah. So what's really cool, uh, uh, as an example, uh, there's a couple companies that have these, uh, but like Grass Valley has a camera that on the camera head itself, there is a QSFP port that does a hundred gig connection from the head and you don't need a CCU. Mm. So you can run fiber directly to the camera back to a switch. That's cool. And not only can you take out your program video that's coming from the camera, you send back your return, multiple returns. 
your those will go to your video switcher, let's say the program video, or they'll go to your multi viewers for your monitor walls. But your intercom to that camera is going to come back on that same path to the network switch and then get routed to and from your intercom system. Because the new intercom systems are all compliant with the the audio side of 2110. So you can pass audio that way. You can pass program audio back from your audio console that's 2110 compliant back to the camera so the op can hear program audio. So yeah, there's a lot of really crazy complex things you can do in the future uh, when you have all these devices talking on the same network all the time and, and all of their inputs and outputs are just discrete paths on the network that you can assign things to. Okay, so it's so, pretty wild. Yeah. So there's no muxing and demuxing or embedding and de-embedding audio now. Yeah, yeah. Embedding and de-embedding audio is probably the biggest time saver um, because huh. it there aren't embedders and de-embedders. That's not a thing. You just have the source. You just It just exists. And then when you... On an output, so generally outputs are still physical in some way, right? They're SDI, they're HDMI to a monitor, they're, they're something. On the actual output port, you can reassemble a new signal. So you can say, I want this video from this source, and I want this channel of audio and this channel of audio, and you can kind of rebuild whatever you want, which is what an embedder did in the past, where you would send it off to an embedder card that would take a new set of audio and add it to that video. You can now do that more discreetly. There's some products out there for even ancillary data where you can marry a, a video file with new ancillary data that has timecode in it or has other things uh, that you've added on uh, to the to the flow. So that's where you start getting into, okay, on a big scale, these are really beneficial tools and it saves a lot of gear in a really big facility because the network can handle these things natively now where you don't where a router couldn't in the past. Yeah, so there's no more one to one devices right. right now and and you're moving uh, moving more toward software devices essentially absolutely right combining all these packets together rather than a hardware device yeah it's like a that, throw down brick yeah that ancillary shelfer that i was talking about is just yeah. a, a software you can run on a virtual computer not even a physical computer you have to buy you just buy the yeah. software spin it up on a virtual computer and it can do all that ancillary routing that's okay so that's awesome. Uh, Let me stop us real quick. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, just like a couple of thoughts. But one, on the off chance that I don't want to assume people know anything because I know I've, I've listened to things before and I don't know, you know, I get lost. So like when you say fiber, explain to someone what fiber is. Someone who's only ever dealt with SDI. Sure. Uh, it's generally that little yellow cable that somebody told you not to break at some point when right. you bought a piece of equipment. Um, fiber is literally glass. It's very, very thin glass that's wrapped in a plastic housing um, and then a, an outside jacket of the cable. The, but it's it's literally fiber optics from an SFP, which is a, a light source. And that light source is blinking very, very, very fast to represent the data. And then there's a receiver on the other side that's watching the light. And this fiber optic cable in between passes the light from from one spot to the other. And this is how the entire world talks to each other, from your cell phones to the internet to the data centers to everything. It's how we're able to send data over super long distances and at really high bandwidths. Yeah. I mean, fiber, so light is the fastest mechanism of transfer. Right. right. So far. Physics. I yep. think one, so thing, one thing you should probably know elaborate on, you've said ancillary data several times. Yeah. Obviously, sure. it's a big deal. 
I kind of know what it entails and what's in it, but sure, go on. Yeah, so S, that's an, actually an SDI standard that was set up um, a long time ago by Simpty. Uh, but in addition, so when video originally started as composite video, uh, it was just video. That signal, that it, there wasn't audio, there wasn't other data with it. And when SDI came out, it was all collapsed into one standard that and one cable that could carry audio. It could carry 16, or sorry, video, 16 channels of audio. And then this, there's some other space in the um, in the transmission for SDI, and they simply added the ability to have additional data, just serialized data for whatever you want. And they added a lot of different standards into that ancillary data. So there's things you can transmit like uh, time code, various types of time code. You can transmit uh, different different amount types of data for different types of equipment. There's some custom, there's some not, but it's just a, a data that's flowing with the signal. So it usually is related to the signal in some way. The way you may have seen it is uh, time code is probably the, the most common where you have like a, a video server playback in the SDI output of that video server, there's generally either LTC or VITSI, two different types of timecode, embedded in that signal. And then the video switcher can read that out and show it to you, maybe on a monitor wall or on the display of the switcher. So you, you see the time of the video content you're playing back. Um, and you can use that same time with like a, a LTC generator to sync record decks or lots of different applications for that. Um, and ancillary carries on into 2110. It has its own special section uh, in 2110 to, to specify things. It matters right. a lot on the broadcaster level because we get a lot of information out of that data about what the signal is. And a lot of automated systems rely on that data. On the production level, it's maybe less less useful. So I want to ask a question that maybe other people are thinking. Uh, so let's say in the, what we were talking about, I got a camera that spits out video over IP and it's hitting a switch. Oh, great. Can I send that to the internet? Yeah. So it's a stream. Yeah. So when we talk about 2110 and later we talk about NDI, these are very much local transport systems. Think of them as SDI replacements. They are not encoding for wide area consumption. So whether that's web streams, whether that's even linking to another uh, facility of your own. Now there are 2110 dabbles in wide area connections for like site to site connections. Um, there are some standards that are in that, but it's not for mass consumption. So it's not uh, a streaming platform. It's not even a uh, uh, like a time slip uh, kind of distribution platform. Like some like the companies like like Resi are out there that are doing compressed, you know, replicated in the cloud kind of time slip that can go to multiple decoders. Those that's all wide area encoding and web streaming and encoding technologies is a whole different class of, of IP. It's still over IP, to be fair. Um, but this it's a very different thing than different these technologies. Yeah. yeah. Can we... Okay, so in my mind, I feel like we probably should have started with the whole NDI. I mean, I feel like a lot of people know NDI as a term, probably more than 2110. So sure. maybe it's good that we went down the 10, 2110 IP video route first. But... Can you, if you summarize 2110 as a developing technology or developed, I don't know which one, but would this be like the, what, like 
six years ago, eight years ago, the con like the 4K concept. Like how how far along are we? And then when will 2110 be something that is the norm for all of us? Yeah. Like, you know, That's you're, a in, hard... you're in you're in those conversations way more than we are. Sure. So like I'm just trying to figure out should we be paying attention to it as a church production professional? Sure. Like is that how far along will it be 10 years from now? You're like, need to know about it or like next year, you know, or, or is it like 3d? Right. Yeah. yeah. 3d. It's, that's, it's, that's a it good is, one. Yeah. It's yeah. not like 3d. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely got more legs than that. So I would say if you are a broadcaster and you're building a video truck for sports production, if you're building a new news station, even that's a smaller scale, but has high, um, it has to have high reliability and resiliency, then you're going to find a 2110 solution is going to make the most sense. Uh, meaning there are enough manufacturers, there's enough gear nowadays. Uh, you're not going to have any problem uh, accomplishing what you need to accomplish in 2110. Whereas maybe five years ago, you know, you could get most of the parts and pieces, but there's definitely still parts that had to be SDI and it was a little bit more challenging. That challenge has basically gone away at this point so i would say it's it's moved from kind of developing more into a developed market at this point uh however um there is a big jump on the network side that you have to take to be able to handle 2110 and there's kind of a minimum size that it's going to make sense even if you only bought one switch and everything was connected in your facility to that one switch. For the smaller productions, which is going to be, let's say, every kind of medium size, even the the getting into the large size churches and under, uh, there's going to have to be some really specific use cases to make it worthwhile to go down that road of 2110. Now, you could totally do it. And I would say today you probably could do it for a pretty close margin compared to how you could do it with SDI. It's going to be a little bit more expensive, but it's not going to be astronomically more expensive like it used to be. Um, but it's a lot of maintenance. You have to have somebody that really does understand on the network side what's going on uh, to make sure that it's working. And there's some big single pieces, you know, if it's a new build and you've got a really big budget, okay. But when you're talking about switches that are 30 to $50,000 a piece, you know, those are big single pieces to jump into, to be able to handle that kind of, that kind of uh, technology. But so I'm going to just ask you to put yourself out here. So like 10 years from now, are we going to be, is 2110 going to be some of these like, things that are more difficult to manage are those going to like eventually develop into ways like okay everybody is doing 2110 is it going to be a mass market thing like well my computer i stick a network like will i be able to generate 2110 video from my computer yeah i think and i i love predicting the future because that's impossible um (laughs) so sure i'll say what i think um I do think all of video will move towards a 2110 or another SMPTE-based IP standard. Okay. Um, it may not look like the 2110 of today when kind of in parallel to 2110, some encoding algorithms 
uh, in the last few years have made huge steps forward in how we can compress video in a way that is not visually impacting. Um, the primary one of that is JPEG XS, which has had huge adoption in the last three to four years among broadcasters that you can then take a signal, a 1080p signal, or let's say everything's UHD down the road, which makes it all more difficult. So 12 mm-hmm. gig signal, and you can compress that much lower than 12 gigs, uh, down under a gig even. Now, is that enough to open up your computer to generate that kind of signal? I don't know. That might be a tall order, more because of the processing power that the computer would need. And I don't know that, uh, you know, if you're using a Mac, like, like Apple wants to be involved in that, right? Like Got they it. would have to make the hardware be able to do it. But having a box that you could plug in the equivalent of Thunderbolt today and have that generate the video, I think is is absolutely going to happen. It actually already exists to some extent. Yeah. Um, so yes, you know, the, I do think we will go down that road where video in the future will be IP based. The question is, is it going to be fully uncompressed and require super high throughput switching? Yeah. Or is it going to be more compressed? And I think that's up in the air. We'll have to wait and see. I on didn't. That one. I wasn't aware of that. That was one of my questions. Was I don't know that it's worth talking about. Is why is everyone so adamant about uncompressed video? Yeah. In the past, the uh, two there was two primary reasons. One, encoding algorithms did not look that good. So you could take like a a 1080i signal and encode it with JPEG 2000, which was kind of the previous standard from a, an encoding perspective, and it looks okay but you could definitely see the difference and you're not saved. That was a 1.5 gig signal and you might drop Mm -hmm. it down to 700 makes seven, you know, 600 makes to get it to still look pretty good. Um, But you could still maybe see artifacting, especially in, in fast motion. And the the second biggest issue is that that took time. So imagine doing Mm -hmm. that to every signal that you then need to live switch in a video switcher. You're adding a lot of latency into the yeah. signal chain even before you start switching and then you're going to add it again on the output of the switcher and in in live events in imag situations in live sports it's not feasible and jpeg xs is kind of changing the world in that side um it's sub frame latency so less than one frame and its compression algorithm is visually lossless up to a, a crazy percentage of smaller size than the original frame um but it's not quite, it has not been adopted by live production yet, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's been adopted by kind of backhaul transmission and master control. Um, so like at Fox, JPEG XS is how we get all of our signals between our facilities. So we have studios in LA, studios in New York, and I, I'm in the Arizona, uh, in Phoenix. And the, the signals between the facilities use JPEG XS, but not in each facility. Each facility inside is still uncompressed. Um, even though there's almost no latency anymore, but that will get better as algorithms improve and as computers get faster and, you know, processors get faster to do the encoding, that's going to improve so that it might be a viable option soon. Any of y'all Silicon Valley fans the show on HBO? I'm having like major flashbacks to, uh, (laughs) compression stuff. Do not watch it. My Christian, you know, (laughs) heritage says you should not watch this show. It's good. That's a good... Uh, an aside there, Rusty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think... So... To, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say what... And you've kind of talked about it a little bit, um, but are there any churches doing this? 2110. Yeah. So I was at North Point prior to being at Fox, 
and um, we put in a 2110 system um, when I was there specifically for the master control level, which was the routing of the various churches in the Atlanta areas together, uh, both live. Um, so sending live uh, message content between churches on Sunday mornings, uh, as well as routing for things like it ended up being uh, feeding web encoders and those sorts of things, return paths. So Because they're connected over fiber. Correct. Because we already had dark fiber between the locations, we were able to move from a video over, I, video over fiber system, which we had before, to a video over IP system and gain a lot more flexibility, a lot more yeah. paths. Um, and it's it, the market for video over fiber is is really sp- quite small. Like the broadcasting market's pretty small. Video or uh, IP connections over fiber on long distances is a really big market for like data centers and service providers and all these things. So there's way more equipment to handle really long distance connectivity and really high throughput connectivity uh, for just data, regular IP data. And so. They moved that direction, but none of the production facilities, so none of the main production routers moved to IP yet. Now, they probably will because it will make sense when it's time to replace those. It'll make sense to do it in in IP. Um, right. But right now, only the master control level is at that. And that, again, it's only because we had very specific needs that 2110 solved. It wasn't because, you know, let's be on the the cool side and have all the cool fancy new stuff like that was not really a factor it was that this was a more efficient cost effective way to accomplish what we were trying to accomplish now they've since expanded that so one of their their primary site now has ip based cameras and but they also they have the ccus so they can spit out sdi so the local production router that's sdi gets the sdi feed the master control level gets the ip feed natively now um, and they have an, uh, an IP based switcher now that's native IP. And so they can take those camera feeds and do a cut that's for all the other campuses, the message cut, and that just stays in the IP realm. And then it gets sent out to the campuses. So they're slowly growing the system in ways that make sense to them. Um, uh, but it's not a full, full on all out replacement just cause it's the new cool thing. Um, other than North point, I, I don't know of any. One thing, Jeremy, just because I've been there and you've shown me. So you're getting IP on the master control level to get it from a campus to another campus. But obviously those campuses on that end are not IP based. Correct. So what's happening once it's getting there? How are they making use of that IP signal? Yeah, so their 2110 system is primarily just what are called IP gateways, which are SDI devices that convert SDI to IP and vice versa. That's their only job. So they don't, until recently when they got the cameras and the switcher, they didn't have a lot of IP native uh, systems. So once the signal goes to the campus, it gets converted back to SDI and goes into their production router just the same. And, but it offers them some pretty crazy flexibility where they can route because the, like the production router, as an example, has a tie to the high school room you know, called the theater at North Point. So they can route a signal, a program signal, or even a direct like camera signal from the theater to the production router, from the production router to the IP gateway into 2110 to another campus, to the production router there and to another theater in a different campus with very little effort. Okay, so Um, one question Which is crazy. is, Is that, in my mind, my mind goes to a trunk line of 
yeah. to get. So yep. like, is, is that what it is? Is it, do you, if you, does it fill up at some point? Yeah. Point? Yeah. So they, it, it. yeah, absolutely. So they have a certain amount of bandwidth. When I left, they had 40 gigs of bandwidth between the campuses. Um, there's probably talk to move that to a hundred gigs. I don't know if that's happened yet or not. Um, but the the cool thing with fiber and with network technology is that can grow without changing the physical interface mm. between the two, which is the fiber that's, cable. That's cool. So you change the equipment on the other side, and now suddenly you've got double or triple the capacity that you had before. So yes, it will fill up. It's a little different than trunk lines because it's not a one-for-one type of thing. It's more of an overall bandwidth. Um, but yeah, of course, there, there, there are limits at some point, it, depending on how the system's architected. So, all right. So that was a deep dive into NDI. I mean, sorry. Deep, into but I, and I learned a lot. Yeah, sorry. We we need to talk about NDI because it's really, I don't know if it's a, it's not really a 2110 versus NDI. It's just a, when we talk IP video, sure. those two things are like the top things. So uh, NDI uh, is a thing that a lot of us have been dealing with for a a while now. I don't have a ton of experience in it because I haven't interacted with it. I think Rusty, you have had experience with it. So this is more of uh everybody can play it like describing and what's your experience with NDI. And we can actually use it in context or, or in contrast to what 2110 is. So yeah, I'm just gonna throw that out there and whoever wants to kind of like run with it, go. Sure. NDI. I can talk a little bit to like what it actually is doing. Okay. Yeah. So 2110 was developed by SMPTE, nonprofit yeah. organization that defines standards. New Tech developed NDI and has graciously licensed it for free, but it's still a proprietary standard. It's not necessarily considered an open standard. Now, they don't charge a licensing fee, so anyone can develop against it, but New Tech owns it solely, and they're the ones that came up with the standard of how it's defined, right? And how it operates. And how open they are to suggestions on that is kind of their, it's their choice. Um, but new, they developed this standard called NDI, primarily for video over IP for low bandwidth applications. So their big thing was it'll just quote just work. My favorite words as an engineer. You don't have to use um, these crazy expensive data center switches and 25 gig and 100 gig fiber connections, you can just plug into your switch and magic happens. Um, to do that, the uh, one thing that's really important to bear in mind is it's a compressed standard. It is not an uncompressed standard. It's not possible to do what they're doing uncompressed. And so they are adding compression, which adds latency and has a quality impacts. I can't, I've not done a production with NDI, I can't speak to the latency or the quality differences, but any compression, that's a factor. Um, and they're using compression to, to do that. So to put numbers that real quick, I just pulled it up. Um, yeah. So 1080p 60 is generally 3G, right? 3 gigabits a second. For 1080p, yep. Uh, uncompressed, yeah. Yep. So NDI 1080p 60 is 150 megabits per second, just to give you an idea of how compressed it is. Right. Which... If you're sending a, so NDI really was pushed forward a lot by graphics companies. So whether that's Renewed Vision, ProPresenter, uh, VizRT, 
even broadcast graphics, a lot of these guys got really into NDI because graphics don't change very much. And they generally, because they're overlaid, have a lot of black screen, dead screen space. That's keyed. Yeah. NDI also mm-hmm. has a, a version that has uh, alpha channels that you can embed with it, right? And the reason for that, compression looks really good for that because mm. there's so little movement, there's so little change, the compression algorithms do a great job. Sending live sports content through that compression, you would have to definitely test it to see you know, what it looks like at the end when you're tracking a football flying across the sky. Uh, that's when you really see a compression algorithm working. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Can- can you equate, let's just talk about compression real quick. So can you equate, compression is like when we see the artifacting in a fast motion, like there is so much data to try to composite this frame Yep. that the um, compression codec cannot handle that in a yeah. smooth way. So it's blurring the pixels. Yeah. I mean, every frame... It's taking, if you had, you know, if it's a, let's say four to one, these are a lot more than that, but just to make the math easy, you know, if it has four different pixels, it's going to take the average for each, the luminance and and chrominance for each of those pixels and figure out kind of an average to be able to divide those pixels and only have one instead of four at that time, at exact that moment. It's not exactly how it works, but that's an easy way to kind of understand it. So if you look at four pixels, you can see the difference in color and brightness in those pixels, when you compress it, it's guessing at what one pixel should be to represent all four. And the quality of the algorithm and how well it guesses and how fast it makes that guesses that guess. So if it's switching from white to black f- between two frames, it's not going to guess 50% gray every time. It's going right, to right. kind of be in between those if it's happening really quickly. And if you think of something like sports, where things are moving really fast yeah. or live events when lights are going crazy. That's the yeah. other time you really see it. Um, that's because it's super high contrast. The colors are changing and you're trying to cut the number of pixels, the number of points uh, in a, by a huge percentage. Um, when you go from like three gig to 150 megabits, that's a massive amount of reduction in data that it has to then figure out, okay, what's my best guess for how to yeah. build this image again. Yeah, I always feel like the best place I can see compression is in a gradient. Yep. Um, so if you take up anything oh, from yeah. black to white, that gradient, if it's if it's uncompressed, it's a smooth gradient, right? It, it's a really smooth looking yep. change over from black to white. But any kind of compression, you see stair stepping, where right. it looks like there's one chunk of black, then a chunk of dark gray, a chunk of middle gray, a chunk of light gray, a chunk of you know so on, so on. Right. Yep. All right. So NDI is using compressed video. Right. Uh, to do what they're doing. And it's made, it's, it's developed by a manufacturer rather than some conglomerate of people all coming together to create a standard. Right. And so then it was adopted by a lot of graphics companies. So when it comes to network architecture, you're talking about the, is it, is it still the same for like, instead of a routing system, like a router, traditional router, video router or switcher, is it the same type of network architecture for NDI as it is 2110 or no? No. Um, it, it is still a network. So right. that's similar. Um, okay. From an architecture perspective, though, 2110 has a lot more requirements. Okay. So one of the things we didn't talk about with 2110 is timing, uh, which it uses a protocol oh, yeah. called PTP. PTP. Yeah. Yeah. 
PTP was an existing standard that was actually developed for stock trading, um, where they have to have microsecond trades that happen automatically, and they need these massive data centers to all be in perfect sync. So they're all making the trades at the exact same moment. Um, and video, like the switches, we stole the technology from that. It's an open standard. Um, that standard's by the IEEE, which is like the internet band, the internet group of standards for networking and internet. Um, so PTP, it's also called 15, the IEEE 1588, which you might hear on documents, but that's PTP. It specifies... I just love that you know all those numbers, by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, unfortunately, I have to say them a lot. You're, you're really contexts. good at your job, clearly. So PTP, at, it, it is the equivalent of reference and Genlock in a traditional video system, in a baseband video system. So in traditional video with SDI um, and composite before that, you had a reference signal that is generated by one device generally and it gets distributed to all your other devices to make sure they are all sending the right data on their SDI lines in the right timing. Otherwise, a camera just starts spitting out video signals and yep. it may not be in alignment with the camera next to it, right? Yep. And then your video switcher can switch between these signals without seeing any sort of like weird flashing flashing to black or green or any weird things that it that it has to do as it as it mixes these signals together. Now, a lot of newer and cheaper video switchers have what are called frame syncs built in, which will take those signals that are not genlocked and it will make them work together. It will sync them as they come in at the sacrifice of a frame of latency. So, we take yeah. a frame, we figure out where the timing should be and we lock them inside the switcher. PTP offers a, a mechanism for IP-based video to not have to do that so that you are able to have synchronous sources and cut between them on things like video switchers. NDI, to my knowledge, doesn't have a syncing mechanism. Mm. In lower quality, honestly, and lower price switchers, um, Blackmagic a lot of the new tech products, some of the smaller Ross products, they have frame syncs on every port. That's just, they just do, whether you want them or not, yep. which is not so good for latency, but the kind of maybe, maybe the, the new tech approach was, well, we don't need timing because we're going to sync these signals in the switcher anyway. So who cares? We don't yep. have to worry about everything being synchronous on the network. That's a huge differentiation when it comes to what you can do with the system as you grow, especially on the switching side. Switching cares a lot about timing. Uh, routing doesn't care so much about timing, but switching cares a lot about timing. Yeah. All right. So PTP stands for what? Something? Precision, precision time protocol. Okay. Somebody may be taking notes. I just want to make sure. <laughs> Google it. Wikipedia. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm testing. I'd like to meet the person you. taking notes. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're deep in the weeds should, right now. So. You should give them a free ticket to your tour coming up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. taking notes. Nice plug. Wow. That's right. send, tell job. them to send in a picture. There you go. That's yeah. right. Uh, okay. So why would someone choose NDI over 2110 or vice versa? Obviously, the big broad. I won't. I mean, I, won't, I, would, I would assume that you shouldn't. It's not an, it's not an apples to apples thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I mean, when I worked at Renewed Vision, helping make ProPresenter, I can speak to why someone would use NDI in an application setting. Yeah. Um, and even in, in passion conferences the past few years, we've used it 
And it's basically what Jeremy said. We use it for graphic transport. So yeah, uh, if you take ProPresenter, most churches are using ProPresenter to create lyrics. And if you just flash up lyrics on the screen, that's very little actual pixel information. Yeah, for sure. Right. Black and white images. Yep. Super easy to transport. Um, and you may want to send that to get very practical. You may be in a place where you want one operator to control the lyrics and a different computer to control the backgrounds on your LED wall. Or you have a switcher and you want to get lyrics on top of the iMag for your stream or whatever. Well, NDI allows you to, one, get a key fill source out of a you know ProPresenter switch, uh, computer without having to have some sort of external device that has you know splits the SDI into key fill and then you got to figure out how to you know do all that. So you get key fill in one uh, broadcasted NDI signal. Uh, and then, yeah, you can just connect it over a network switch or really a dumb switch or just home run the two computers together. And then you can take the, you know, the one computer spitting out the lyrics and put them on top of graphics uh, on a different computer. And so you kind of separate them out. So one person's not doing all of it or you just have more freedom and control over where you want to put those lyrics if that makes sense. So yeah. And so a passion conference, we would literally do that. We would have one operator running ProPresenter and that computer would be sending SDI out to the switcher, but it would also be sending out NDI to our disguised media server. So that then uh, the media server operators could take the lyrics and put them wherever they wanted to put them, uh, you know, in, in terms of the space in the room. Yeah. And, and it, it's really good, I think for very small deployments where you have a network switch, maybe two, all your devices are plugged in right there. It does auto discovery. You're not dealing with different segments of the network. You're not dealing with different subnets and VLANs, all these things that we don't need to go into. It's just one flat, dumb switch. It's got a handful of devices on it, sends up signals across, especially graphics. Sure. Why not? That'll totally, that'll totally work. Yeah. Would I recommend it as a video router replacement? Eh, maybe not. That, then it gets into a much bigger scale that you may run into the downfalls of a protocol like that. Rusty, did you guys experience latency from a like running lyric standpoint? Did the lyrics op have to kind of figure out like how far like in advance to is it that I mean, noticeable? I don't know the exact, you know, how many frames of latency, right, right. but in a big setting, like when you're in Mercedes Benz and you're running it through a disguise server and through LED processors, there's already yeah, you know at least five frames of latency. So you're already figuring out how quickly you got to push the button. Yeah. So and in that setting, it's like, you know, you're now you're a couple of frames earlier than you would have been, but it's already so delayed. Right. Um, all right. So I feel like there should be a lot more to talk about with NDI, but it, it feels very simplistic in the way it works. And, and oh, the, what I was going to say is Jeremy, uh, you have to have uh, devices that support encoding and decoding. Or maybe, Rusty, you can speak to that as well. So, like, my computer is not going to be... Like, I got to yeah. download something, right? You got to download some yeah, software to be able to do that. But it's... Yeah, and it's, and it's software. So, it's like you were talking about earlier with 2110. You know, someday could my computer output 2110? Maybe. That's a more of a hardware question because of the requirements to do that level yeah. of video. NDI, they've made it so it's... That's a software question. It's not a hardware question. Because and, the encoding is so small. Yeah. And the, yeah. It's just a Cat I mean, 5, Cat 6 cable. It is. And it also speaks to yeah. the 
the the uh, overhead required to run the out the compression algorithm. Right. So, right. you know, I I don't know that you could run. Maybe you could run a JPEG XS compression algorithm on a on a computer, but I don't know of any software that can do it. It requires an appliance to run that because of the sophistication of the algorithm. Mm. And the prioritization with NDI was let's make something that you can integrate via software. Which you know you you have to choose when you develop it. Well, okay, then we need a uh, an algorithm that can be run on somebody's laptop. You know, at that point, it doesn't require a big processor to run things. So it's not right or wrong. It's just different choices that have been made. You know, to to promote what their their goals were. There's some cool applications with NDI. Like I can download uh, a NDI app on my phone, so that my iPhone camera becomes an NDI broadcast signal, and then I can. Get that on my computer or my switcher. Yeah, uh, there over, are creative over, things that you over can do. Wi-Fi. Over Wi-Fi, yeah, it's it's terif- a gamble, <laughs> which is terrifying. <laughs> right, for sure. No, yeah, but you, yeah, when you compress it down that small, then it opens up a whole world of of possibilities of things that you right. can't do with um, kind of uncompressed broadcast workflows. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, UHD or 4K, NDI and and 2110 support both right they both support that yeah i would even say if if you have a facility and whether or not a a church should implement uhd is a whole different podcast um but if you have a facility where you've decided you're going to do use to do uhd uh that would be one of the the boxes i would check in the uh let's investigate 2110 category 2110 has a lot of benefits um when you start doing especially mixed format because even in the all the like our fox facility is uhd capable that does not mean that every single thing in the building is uhd all the time and that's how it is in any uhd facility uh, especially right now and so 2110 handles mixed formats really well and so that would be one of the things that well if if you're going to go that road then it might be worth looking into it even if it's a small deployment got it Uh, so i can run 1080 streams and 21 or and 4K streams simultaneously yep. throughout the network. Packetization of all the audios and videos and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, and even some end devices have implemented you can run both out of the device directly. So if I have a uh, camera that can do UHD, it can spit out the UHD, but it could also spit out a 1080p because I have some spots that I only over need that one fiber only have spot. 1080p all off that one connection. Yeah. Jeez. Oh yeah. That's cool. That's cool. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, all right. Is I that, have been enlightened. Yeah. That was that was pretty impressive. Zach, you hadn't talked in a while. You've been listening. Yeah. I mean, I just the twenty one ten thing. You know, Lamori and I have had countless conversations of it, and so it was cool to kind of hear him. You know, again, give a big refresher of it, and I think it's super helpful. But I think it. What I have learned over past year year or so of talking to him about 2110 is it definitely has this application um it's definitely still expensive and you just you really need to have a reason for it uh to utilize it It, it's cool and it does a lot of cool things and the redundancy side of it is awesome uh the 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 thought of you know eliminating a ton of baseband sdi between say a router and a switcher frame dropping that down to a few fiber cables, you know, that, that, that's cool. Um, that, that, that's huge there. Um, yeah. 
And, and I'll say, we talked about switches a little bit, these big data center switches. Yeah. Not that I want to promote it because I haven't tested it myself, but Netgear of all the companies has a, a new Pro AV line, which is very becoming very popular. And, and it, I've used it for audio like Dante. It's actually pretty solid from my experience so far. They have two switch models, only two, uh, but two switch models that are 100 gig SFPs that they say are fully PTP compliant which is the big thing for 2110. Mm. So there'd be no reason that you couldn't do 2110 through these switches. Not tested it myself, but that lowers the price point because the switching infrastructure is the price barrier right now. Um, that's the really big investment. That lowers that price point substantially. And, and who knows? Maybe that opens it up to a whole new set of, of people if that works really well. And if, if companies like Netgear uh, go down that road of providing more cost-effective uh, switching for that kind of bandwidth. So, yeah, I think the other thing, like especially in your facility, I'm a, is it the EXE router? Yeah, we have a an all Evert EXE system, but we have a full Aristocore too. I so think I think a lot of people are probably thinking like, oh, it's a one RU switch. No, it's like forty eight RU. It's yeah, it's, um, it's yeah. My massive. router's my router's thirty two rack units. It's an entire switch or entire rack, and then the rack next to it's all the power supplies for it. Um, yeah. And there's two of them, but that's a different scale. I mean, yeah, right, my, yeah. my, yeah, my router is currently 20,000 by 24,000 ports. So oh, it's, okay. it's a slightly different scale <laughs> okay. than what you're, yeah. That, so that's a whole nother level. And it's about half full. So yeah, it's a different. Hey, Jeremy, what's the biggest Ross router? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Are we up to, <laughs> we, what, do we do 128, 256? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, okay. Someday. What, yeah. 64. No, it's uh, I it depends on how you populate it, but no, it's a different scale. There's no doubt, um, and and that's not a scale that anyone else needs or should do. Trust me, it's not all. It's cool to talk about, and also, you know, <laughs> there's a reason it takes a team of people to keep it running. So right. there's some pitfalls. I feel like we could talk on and on and on, but obviously we got to let the the good people go, especially the people who've endured and listened for this long. Um, but I will say, like, it is a IT network infrastructure thing. Yeah. Like IP video, when you're packetizing video, whether it be compressed NDI or to be honest, or 2110, it is a, you're pushing video over an IT infrastructure, which is different than traditional SDI infrastructure. And so that's a topic of conversation that I think we will have as we move forward in our podcast is learning about like IT infrastructure how to create a resilient IT infrastructure, subnets, domains, like all those things are really important. Um, I can only imagine how many like your who your IT um, administrator team is like. Oh yeah, it's a whole yeah. team. Yeah, they're and they're crazy. They yeah. know. Yeah, they're smart guys. Yeah. So, um, so really, when you're pushing video, that video signal is only as good as that IT network. Yes, 100%. It's only as reliable, I would say, as the the IT network. Yeah, and even like Northpoint, when we deployed, we hired an IT consultant that was a data center IT professional. Mm. Um, So there's a company that that's what they've built. That's what he's been involved with. He had never done video before, but I didn't need him to know the video stuff. We knew that. I needed him to know, how do I set up these switches so that this whole thing doesn't come crashing down when I start starting a service on a Sunday, right? Right. So... 
uh, yeah, there's a lot to learn on the on the network side to make sure you're building something that that makes sense and is stable, and it's a very different set of skills um, to go down that that road. But there's you know there's consultants, there's integrators, there's people to help with that. Um, yeah. It's very attainable, but it's very different. That's great. All right, so uh, Jeremy, we love having you on the podcast, and you know this is probably not your last one because uh, you have. I don't know. You must well have been knowledge. Yeah, I'm. I'm like, geez. Uh, my, my, it's my pleasure. I'm always yeah. happy to come hang out for a bit. It's fun. Um, all right. So until next time, thanks for uh, taking time to explain. Just really scratching the surface of video. That's all I want to scratch. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. right. All right. I'm happy. Till next time. Thanks, Talk guys. Till later. See later. you. If you've seen or heard anything from MXU, you've probably gathered that we care deeply about helping you create healthy teams. We know that you have a lot on your shoulders, but you don't have to bear it all alone. MXU can come alongside you to help you recruit volunteers and bring them on board in a healthy way. With our platforms, you gain back valuable ministry time as we take over the bulk of training from entry level to advanced concepts in audio, video, and lighting. Keeping your team healthy should be a priority at any church, and a healthier team means a healthier you. Start building a healthy team at getmxu.com.